Hey, have you ever seen something that you absolutely had to have? Maybe somebody else had it, or you just saw it out there, and you saw it and said, man, I have, I, I have got to have that. Might be a new car, might be some pair of shoes, might be uh, the new phone, might be perfect tournament bracket somewhere, uh, might be somebody got kids who actually listen and behave. You ever, you ever see something and you think, man, I have got to have that? Well, dude, it happened to me with a pizza. That's right. There used to be a television show called Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, hosted by Guy Fieri. Anybody remember that, that show? Um, simple little show where uh, Fieri travels America and finds these little holes in the wall that has incredible food. And so one day, I don't know if I was just bored out of my mind or what, but I'm doing the channel surfing thing, and I come on that show and Ferrari is in St. Louis at a pizza joint that boasts their claim to fame that they have the largest pizza in America. <laughs> this thing was insanity. It looked like your kitchen table when they brought it out. And so I'm, I'm watching that show, and my, uh, one of my sons happens to come through the room, and he kind of gets caught up in the show, and we're kind of watching that, and they pull this pizza out of this monster oven, and they take a little piece off, and they give it to Ferrari, and if you ever saw that show, you know, he takes a bite of it, and he does his, oh, like he's being raptured, you know, and, uh, and I looked at my son, and he looked back at me, and we kind of had that quirky smile at each other, and I said, we got to go, don't we, and he said, yep, and so we arranged some few things, and a few days later, we're in a car, and we're heading on I-64 towards St. Louis, and we make it through Indiana, and we're almost through Illinois. We're in the East St. Louis area, and we're, we're heading there, and I got turned around or something, so we pulled off on a ramp in East St. Louis, and right at the end of the, the ramp, there was a, an, an abandoned gas station, and I pulled in there, <laughs> and my mind went to that scene where Chevy Chase was also in East St. Louis. Some of you remember the, the movie Vacation, and he's asking this guy for directions, and his buddies are stealing the hubcaps while they're talking. And I'm, I'm thinking, this place don't look good. And a Cadillac came up and parked right next to me. It was white. It was about 97 feet long. And the window came down, and a guy eyeballed my son and I and said, you're not from around here, are you? <laughs> and I said, no, we just kind of got turned around and stuff. And he said, uh, I would recommend you and your boy head on down the road a little bit and figure that out because it's about to go down here. And so I don't know what going down here meant, but I was going to make sure I wasn't there to find out. And so we headed on and we made it into St. Louis. We find this pizza place and and we didn't order the monster because my car wasn't big enough for the leftovers. And so we got a little pizza and it tasted really good. I remember sitting at that high, high, high back chair on that table and I look at my son, look at this pizza, and I'm thinking, what would compel, what in the world would compel a man to drive five hours one way and be part of a potential crime operation? 
what would compel me to do that? And there were some peripheral reasons behind it. I mean, time with my son, we fit in a a cardinal game the next day, but then it kind of struck me that the reason we're here and the only reason we're here is because a guy made us believe we absolutely had to have that pizza. I want you to listen very carefully to me here on this because apparently Guy Ferreri had been reading his Bible. See, we're doing this, I think, a really cool series, man. And I don't know if it'll do for you what it's doing for me, but I I love this series about don't go to heaven alone. And it's kind of our Easter prep here. We're kind of getting ready for Easter. and, and, And so what do we do to get really ready for it? And we're presenting this idea that now's the time to make sure that none of us go to heaven alone. See, kind of think about that. You show up in heaven and, and you run in uh, to, the, to the guy or the gal who influenced you to Jesus. And, and see, they didn't go to heaven alone because you're with them. Well, we'll switch that around. What would it be like if you're in heaven and somebody comes up to you and you were the reason they were there? That you didn't get there alone. You brought somebody with you. And so we're talking about that as we get ready for Easter. And I want you to know the number one strategy that God has given us to make that happen. The number one strategy for you not to go to heaven alone is to get them to believe that they absolutely have to have what you have in Jesus. That's his plan. That's God's plan. And I think if Guy Ferreri can do that with a pizza, man, you and I ought to be able to do that with Jesus. What do you think, huh? And so what I want to do with you a little bit in this service is I want to show you that this has always been the strategy of God, always, that, that his people would radiate something about us that other people would see it and say, man, I gotta have that, I gotta have, and I want you to see that that has always been the strategy of God. From cover to cover in the word, at every generation of God's working, he's used that single most powerful strategy. And I wanna just take you for a few minutes, I'm gonna show you that. Let me start all the way back in the Old Testament. And I want to show you a place in the Old Testament through the prophet Ezekiel. And everybody's probably heard of this prophet Ezekiel. And Ezekiel talks to the nation of Israel in his book. It's fascinating a book that he wrote. And in part of that book, he described Israel that the purpose of your nation, Israel, is that God will use Israel to attract people to him. And so Ezekiel does this in one verse. It happens to be one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. It's in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 14, and I want you to see how he says it. He says it in this one verse. Here it is, here we go. And your fame spread among the nations on account of your beauty, because the splendor I had given you made your beauty perfect. 
And Ezekiel is intentional with some wordings here. One of those words refers to a beautiful ornament that somebody would hang in their house. And there's another of the words that sometimes is used for a flowering, blossoming uh, plant somewhere outside. And then another word that he used is reserved throughout the Old Testament for uh, coming into the presence of a beautiful woman who would take your breath away. And what Ezekiel is reminding Israel is that God wants to use your radiance, your beauty as people of God, and, and what will happen when you're beautiful, what happens is the nations become aware of you. The nations are drawn to what you have. It has always been the strategy of God that there would be something in us that people would see and they would say, i got to have what you have. And so the Old Testament presents it, and if we advanced in the Bible, if we just kind of leapfrogged all the way to Jesus, we find Jesus bringing the same strategy up again. And so let me show you what one of the things Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, and this is a, a familiar verse to us here at Eastside. Jesus said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. This is such an important verse that we used it as the foundation of an entire teaching series here last year at Eastside. And I want you to look at this because Jesus presents God's strategy to reach the world. And look at that carefully and you don't see anything in there about Jesus saying, get you a big hammer and go beat people up and make them feel guilty for not following God in their lives. He didn't say any of that. He said, here's the strategy. Let your life shine. Let yourself look good. And what happens when there's something in you that shines? What happens is people are drawn to that and they see God in you and they praise him. It has always been his strategy to do that, always. If we advance even further, and we get to the point in the Bible where Jesus is now back in heaven and now the church has begun. And you know at Eastside, because you're smart people, that it started in Jerusalem. And if you went back and opened up your Bible in the book of Acts and started reading about the beginning of the church, the first several years in the city of Jerusalem, it was insane. I mean, there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people coming to this new church just daily, every day. Early on in the life of the Jerusalem church, they tell us that they counted one day and there were 5,000 men. That's not even counting the women and children. I mean, all of these masses of people. How did that happen? How did this church reach so many people? Look what happens early in the book in chapter 5, verse 14. Here, here's how Luke wrote it. He didn't know any other way to say it. More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. I mean, they were just coming from everywhere. And so how did that happen? How did that happen? And obviously, if you know much about church history, you know that God knew the church needed a great start, and he even predicted it hundreds of years earlier that there's going to be a special emphasis of the power of God, and a lot of people are going to come. But Luke tells us a hint. Everybody look at verse 14. Verse 14 is how all these people are coming. The verse right around it tells us why. Look at a phrase. Check this out in verse 13. 
They, referring to the believers in the church, watch this, they were highly regarded by the people. It was something about them that the people in the community said, man, we gotta have whatever you have. I don't know what it is, but we gotta have it. Well, let's just advance some more. Let's move toward the back half of the New Testament. Let's get to where we're getting to the end of the Bible. And now the church is outside of Jerusalem, man. It's going into other regions. It's hitting different cities. And one of those cities is Ephesus. Great, powerful city of Ephesus. And Paul comes in that city one day. And he starts a church. And he hangs out with them for a little bit, man. And they, they build a great relationship. And it's a good, solid church. And then Paul leaves to go start some other churches. And then there comes a time in Paul's ministry where he says, you know, we ought to go back and check on how all the churches are going. And so he goes back to Ephesus and he takes a young man named Timothy with him and he's on the trip. And they go in, they find out at Ephesus, man, it's just exploding. There's all kinds of people coming to Christ and the more people you have, the more challenges you have. And Paul says, you're doing great. And he looks at young Timothy and says, dude, I'm gonna keep you here. You keep this thing going, you oversee it, you take care of it. I'm gonna go on and meet some other places. And so Timothy, as a young man, is now running Ephesus. And so Paul sends him a letter about how to keep things going. I want you to see what he says to Timothy. In two verses, it's electric. Look at verse 12 in the fourth chapter. He said, Timothy, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Look at verse 16, he says this, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, and here it is, you will save both yourself and your hearers. How did Paul tell Timothy to keep reaching people? The same way God has been saying the whole time. It's Timothy, he said, your personal example is critical, man. The way you live your life is just as important as what you say you believe. The strategy of God has always, from cover to cover in the Bible, and now in 2023 in Jeffersonville, Indiana, at Eastside Christian Church, the plan of God to reach more people is that you and I would have something in us that people would say, I want what you have. It's always been his plan. And so I worded it in a catchy way that I kind of like, and if you don't like it, well, then you got a problem. So this is the way that it helps me to understand it, kind of a catchy way. This is the strategy of God. Watch this. Lost people become saved people when saved people show lost people how beautiful life is when you're saved. Isn't it good? Huh? Isn't that good? That's the strategy of God. That's how he intends it to happen. And this is how you don't go to heaven alone. This is how you make sure you're not there alone, is that you live that way so that lost people see that you got something that I want. Last summer, Susan and I went to attend an outdoor event, and um, there were thousands of people at this place. And the people that were running the event, you could tell, they weren't ready for this, they didn't think this was gonna happen to this degree, and they didn't have it figured out how everybody get in. And you know, nowadays, you gotta check everything, and so, man, the line to get in was forever. 
And it was just crazy. They hadn't figured this out. And it was blistering hot out. And so we're in that line. And I noticed a little bit ahead of us, up in the line, over to the side, there was a couple there. I don't know if they were husband and wife, but they were a man and a woman there. And the lady had a sign right by the line so everybody could see it. And the sign said something. I wish I would have took a picture. I didn't. It said something about sin and hell and all that kind of stuff. And the guy had a microphone, he had a little speaker system with him, and he was talking to everybody in the line, and he was talking about the fact that you've got to choose heaven or hell, and based on what he was saying, it was very apparent where he thought all of us were going to end up. And so these people are doing this by this line. Now, because it was taking forever to get in, I probably was there, Susan and I were there, for about 15 minutes probably, just kind of watching this and slowly getting past it. And I started to, to watch what happens, and there were a couple people that started whimpering a little bit. And you could tell they were almost kind of convicted of maybe something in their life, and, and they're kind of whimpering, and these people kind of made their way over to the couple, and they started talking with them, and they started whimpering some more, and some other people started kind of, you just tell, it was, it was getting them, and they were coming over, and pretty soon there's kind of a group of people there, and I'm hearing things like the word church, and I'm hearing, you know, baptism and Jesus, I'm hearing all this stuff, it's just crazy what's happening around these two people. Now, I want everybody to listen to me. Listen very carefully. I want to say this. <laughs> Nobody responded that way. I just made all that up. There weren't any responses at all to those people. In fact, if there were any responses, people were turning away and whispering about them. Now, I admire their boldness, and I believe God can use any setting he ever wants to plant seeds in the hearts of people. But I'm telling you, gang, that has never been God's strategy, ever. Here's how I list it in my mind. And again, this is because of my goofy mind. you got to put up with it. And, and I always say this. God is more interested in attracting than he is attacking. And you've not got to learn that. You and I gotta figure that out if we wanna, if we wanna win somebody and we'll make sure that, man, when we get to heaven, we ain't there alone. We ain't there alone, dude. Well, the only reason that's gonna happen is if you learn, you're probably not gonna be able to attack people and win them, but you can attract them. And if you attract them, that will be how that'll happen in your life. So here's what I wanna do for the rest of our time. I'm going to go fast, and you hang on, put your seatbelts on, because we're in a book, and I want to show you how you can actually do this in your life. And so for a few minutes, I want you to kind of be thinking about some people, some people you know, and we'll talk about that in a minute, and I want you to even think about names, maybe, and what do I got to do so that those people are in heaven with me someday? And probably most people in this room, you got some folks right now you can think of. And so how do I got to do this? How can I do this? I'm going to teach you a way to do it. And it deals with using the five senses that God has given you. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, intellectual here, because some of us ain't got that. Sometimes we don't. I'm talking about the five sensory things that God has given to us. And here's what they are. Vision, smell, hearing, touch, and taste. And I'm going to show you that every one of those senses is how God can help you not go to heaven alone. And so I wanna walk you through them real quick and then we're gonna kinda of be abrupt when we end today and you'll see what I mean by that. Let's start first of all with the sense of vision and here's how you gotta use vision. You gotta see the people in your circle. 
You've got to observe the people in your circle. So Dave, what do you mean about that? Well, if you took a, a, a piece of paper and you just put a dot in it, just draw a little dot in the paper and then draw a circle around it, and that dot is you. And that circle are all the people that you come in contact in your life and just start putting a bunch of dots in there. All these are the people that I have in my circle. They're in my circle. They may not be in your circle, but my circle. Now, what I want to suggest is when you start putting the people in there, you'll start notice that there's a lot of different kinds of people. There might be some people in there who've been in your circle for a long time. You're related to them or they're a close friend or somebody you've worked with for years and years, and they're in your circle, Okay. And there might be some people who are pretty new in your circle. Maybe it's a new neighbor. Somebody moved in your neighborhood. Maybe somebody you started working with. You didn't know last week? Man, you know them now. Maybe it's your child's teacher at school this year. And so there's some people in there that haven't been there for very long, but they're there. And then it might be somebody who's just going to be in your circle for a very short time. Maybe the mechanic who worked on your car. Maybe the waitress who took your order. Maybe the person who's sitting next to you in the bleachers at the ball game last week. And so you got all these different people in our circle. Everybody in this room has that. And here's how you use your sense of vision not to go to heaven on, is you make sure you observe those people and you see who is not heading to heaven. You see them. And we talked about that last week. We were real blunt about that last week is understand not everybody goes to heaven. Not everybody goes to heaven. Get that DNA in you, believe it, hold on to it. And now if you're going to win somebody, you're going to get somebody to go to heaven with you so you're not alone, it's going to begin. Here's the people in my circle right now. Here they are. Here they are. And sometimes they're there for that quick. See, sometimes people call it accidental connections. I call it divine appointments. That there's times when God has created the opportunity for that person to be in your circle. Let me tell you somebody who does a great job with that. Uh, she is a very dear friend of my wife and I. And uh, I did not ask her permission to tell the story because she would have said no. And I wanted to tell the story. So I figure, you know, ask for uh, forgiveness later and we'll all be better for it. So let me, let me tell you about her. And uh, her husband's a great buddy of mine. And I'm not going to tell you their names because I don't want to throw them under the bus, but um, Jim is one of my golfing buddies, <laughs> and um, I've, <laughs> I gave you his name, so we'll just, we won't, we'll leave it just at that. Um, and so Jim's one of my golfing buddies, and, and uh, we call him Dr. Uh, uh, Howard in our elders meeting, so he's one of our, our elders. <laughs> and um, when the PGA Championship was in Louisville, this is one of the greatest golf stories I've ever heard in my life. Uh, Jim wanted to take his wife with him, and so, um, and so he asked Patty, okay, <laughs> and said, hey, we'll go, and, uh, but Patty, there's a million people there. You got to stay with me. Stay up with me the whole time. You just got to be with me, and she said, okay, okay, so they go, and if you've ever been to one of those, I mean, there's scads of people, and you're just walking and moving all the time, and he told her, you got to stay with me. You got to stay with me. You got to stay with me. And so they're out there, they're watching some of those famous people in the world play the game of golf. And Jim looks around and she ain't nowhere to be found. He goes, I told her she got to. He's an elder, so he didn't cuss about it. But I can't believe where she's at. And finally he saw her in the crowd. She's about 50 yards away and she's going. <laughs> and you know, Patty, everybody here can believe that, can't you? And she's, and she's calling Jim back. Come on, come on. And she's talking to somebody. 
And Jim looks and says, she's talking to some old lady she ran into, and some old lady from church probably. And, and Jim told me, so I want to go talk to no old lady from church. I want to watch Tiger Woods. And so Patty's going, come on. And so Jim goes over there, and Patty says, honey, I want you to meet Barbara Nicholas. This is Jack's wife. I just met her. And that's how she is. She has this about her to notice. Watch this. This is powerful. To notice the people that show up in your circle. They've either been there your whole life and it may be just this quick, but you see the people in your circle. Now, I don't want you to, um, I don't want you to, to tell Patty she did a good job with that. I don't want you to tell her that because um, I don't think she finished the divine appointment. Because if she would have, with the Nicholases, we wouldn't have to ask you for $150,000 to help our church get first up. So stop right there and deal with this. It's very, very important. It's the starting point. Who are the people in your circle right now who need a walk with Jesus? Who are they? And if you can't identify them, it's because you're not seeing them. Use your sense of sight and vision to begin with. Now let's move on. Now let's use our sense of smell and you have to embrace the odor. Now some of you are snickling because you know where I'm going there. Some of the people in that circle are probably going to stink. And listen, that's okay. Remember what Jesus said? He said, I want you to be fishers of men. Anybody ever caught a fish, pulled it out of the water, smelled it? Did it smell good? Nah, didn't smell good. And, and what we hope is that fish is going to become this really nice filet, man, and got some seasoning on it. It's laying on a bed of rice and some colorful. That's we, what we want it to be, but it, it doesn't look that way when we pull it out of the water, does it? And Jesus said you're going to be fishers of men, and what that means is you're probably going to have people in your, your service or your circle that really stink, and you got to be okay with that. You gotta be okay with that. And here's what I tell people who, are, who really wanna make a spiritual impact on a friend. I want you to listen to this. I want you to hear this because I know, I know some of my, my, uh, my people that are close to me, you're hearing this and you're thinking, yeah, but man, I wanna talk about life change. I wanna talk about them becoming what they gotta become. I wanna talk about cleaning up their mess. I wanna, I wanna get down to the business. And I, I say this to them, that's right, you're all right, but you gotta earn that right by walking through their mess with them. You gotta be okay that they stink. A pastor friend of mine finished a Bible study at his church a few years ago and it was one of the midweek things. Remember when Christians used to come for Bible study on Wednesday nights, okay? And they got done and there was a couple from the community that was their young couple and uh, they just come out of the blue, and they were there that night, and afterwards they went up to my buddy, and they said, hey man, can we talk with you a little bit? And they went back in his office, and he said, we were back there for an hour or so, and, and I met these people, and they were trying to tell me the story, and when we got done, we came out of my office. He said, man, the church is dark, everybody's gone. And he said, one of my leaders was sitting over in the foyer area, over in a corner, he just kind of waiting on us to come out, and a couple went out the door, went out their car, and he goes, my leader came over to me and said, what are they doing here? I know them. And he said, well, I, I think maybe God's touching their heart, man. He goes, well, I, I know them. I doubt that, man. They got all kinds of messes going on in their life. I can't believe they were here. He said, well, I think God's doing something for them. He goes, well, why did you meet with them? 
Why'd you do that? And he said, well, I think maybe God might try to help him out a little bit. And, and he walked away, and he's shaking his head. And my buddy said, how come we get all the crazies around here? And my pastor buddy called me the next day, one of my best friends in the world, he told me that story, and we both agreed on the phone that we long for the day that the churches that we serve are full of crazies. So you gotta be okay with that. You gotta be able to embrace the odor. You really do. You gotta be okay with that. And I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this carefully. If everyone around you in your circle smells good, you're probably not doing what God wants you to do. You gotta embrace the smell. Let's move on and talk about the sense of hearing. And this is, I always try to put something in my sermon every time I'm gonna make you mad, okay? So here it is. And I wanna talk about the sense of hearing, and here's what I wanna say. Don't mute good talk with bad walk, okay? By the way, I wrote that too. I like that also, okay? Don't mute good talk with bad walk. Now watch this, it's critical, because we're talking about embracing the senses that we have, and we're talking about you using your senses, and, and this, I'm, I'm talking about their sense, their sense of hearing. I'm talking about them, and I'm talking about you. And, and I want you to hear this, I want you to very carefully. And this might convict you, the Holy Spirit might do something in you, but I want you to hear it, even if you get angry about it, I want you to listen to this. Sometimes the people in our circle can't hear about our message about Jesus because of the inconsistency in our life drowns out our voice. I don't think you heard it. Sometimes the people in our circle can't hear our message about Jesus because the inconsistency of our life drowns out our voice. And that's why I think Paul told Timothy to guard your life and your doctrine. You gotta live what you say you believe, and there's gotta be a consistency in who you say you are and who you show that you are. Those gotta be together. And if you're phony about it, and there's something about it in your life that's not right, they're not going to be able to hear you. And so let me be blunt. If you say you love Jesus, but you talk bad about people, your testimony is stained, gang. If you shout about morality and you curse like a sailor, you're not gonna convince anybody. If you brag about your church, but you haven't been to worship in a month, no one is coming to your church. It's an important exercise for Christian people. Is there any part of my conduct, any part of my walk that is violating my talk? That's gotta be consistent if you wanna make sure you don't go to heaven alone. Let's move on. Let me talk about the sense of touch, and that's to play in your presence. This is a big deal. I'm gonna try really hard not to spend all my time on this because this is one that gets me the most. And think of it biblically. You remember Jesus coming into the town of Jericho? Remember that? He saw the guy up in the tree, remember? What was his name? Zacchaeus. Remember what he did when he saw Zacchaeus? Remember that story? He said, hey, Zach, we're going to your crib for dinner. Now, was Jesus hungry? I don't know. But you know that's not why he went to his house to eat, did he? He knew that presence with Zacchaeus was powerful. When I, I wrote this message, I had to be careful, man, that I didn't just spend all my stuff here. But I really believe that if we spend all our time with our own tribe, we're probably doing it wrong. Did you hear me? 
If the only people in your circle are your tribe, you're probably missing the reason why God has you where he wants you to be. And so somehow we gotta figure out that part of that whole thing is involvement in their life and presence in their life. And so if you don't wanna go to heaven without anybody there, you wanna be there alone, then make no effort at all to be with them. But if you wanna make sure there are people here because of me, then you have to carve out intentional slots that you spend with people who are not Christians yet. And I'm telling you, that convicts me, man. You go back at your calendar, if you all keep a calendar. Anybody keep a calendar of your phone? Anybody got something you actually write down things? Anybody remember those, okay? And you just go back and look at the last seven days, last 14 days, and just look at all the people you've been with. And have there been any stinky fish that you've been hanging with? See, your own tribe, you're missing it. And so the, the power of the presence of a Christian with a non-Christian is incredible. I want to use that as an illustration. I want to make a suggestion to you. Um, the number one, I get asked this all the time, what's, what's the thing I can do, man, to really make this happen? The number one most effective thing you can do by far in reaching a person for Jesus initially is to invite them to a church service. I'm telling you, it's the most powerful thing you can do because most people will accept it. And Easter's coming up. It's the number one time when people are gonna receive that invitation. And you got two, three weeks to make that invitation. And I wanna encourage you that if you're making an invitation this year, that you think about the sense of touch, of presence. So when you invite someone, think about that. And so offer to go with them. The power of that. Hey man, I'll go with you. I'll meet you there. I'll save you a seat. When's best for you to come? I'll adjust my schedule to do it. Next week, call them. Hey, man, let's get together for coffee. Ask them, how was your experience? Those are called touch points. And the more touch points with non-Christians, the more opportunity you have that you're not gonna go to heaven alone. So just let that get heavy with you because it got heavy with me this week. It really did. How many touch points you've been, you've had recently in your life? How many touch points with actual people who need to know Jesus? How many you got? How many you got going on? The sense of presence of touch is very, very powerful. Now, let me end it by talking about this. And that's use the sense of taste. And here's what I mean by that. Use the salt shaker. And you say, what are you talking about? Now, if you didn't get mad last time, you'll get that opportunity now, okay? Now, my doctor don't want me to say anything about salt shaker up here, okay? Because he didn't like that because salt's not really good for us. They tell us that. But what's salt do, man? What's it, what's it do to food? Makes it taste really good, okay? It kind of bumps up the taste. And this is what we've been talking about, that God's number one strategy to reach people, and that is to live such winsome, attractive lives that people are drawn to find out what they have. That we live lives like salt has been sprinkled all over and people are like, man, I wanna have that. You, you know the opposite? Is when we take baths in lemon juice. See, if your personality is negative 
and you complain and you whine and you have a defeatist spirit, and I'm saying this with all the love that I can muster up, nobody wants what you have. Now, if that person's sitting next to you, do not look at them. Just keep right here, okay? I want this to sink into your, your soul. I really do. If you tend to be, you know, life's horrible, man, and, and I'm always negative, and there's always somebody messing something up, and I'm the first to complain and the first to tell you how you could have done better. And if that's you, and you know, you know if it's you. I want you to hear this, friend, that you are totally forgiven and heading to heaven, and you've got the Spirit of God living inside of you to help you with whatever you face in this world, and you've got an army of Christian family members who are there so you're never alone, and even when life is hard, and it is many times, you've got a hope at the end of the day that Christ and his children will come out on top, and that ought to come out in our attitudes and our personalities, and when it does, It'll draw people because you got something they want. And so sprinkle the salt shaker. Start going easy on the lemon juice. It don't work. And see how God will use that in your life. Now, um, I got to tell you how I ended this service. And I've shared this with you before that I... I like to write and study and kind of organize thoughts, and I, I, I love to do that. And then when it's all over with, I like to do something that will grab the heart, okay? We've learned, now let's, let's get motivated. And I, and I spend a lot of time on how we end things in our service. And this week, man, it was not coming to me. I think it might have been a little bit because of the displacement so we started some of our home improvement renovation this week, and um, one of the things that we're working on this week is to see how much noise we can make drilling into concrete blocks three foot from where I sit, okay? So that made it a little uncomfortable to think, and so I was kind of out of my arena, and I was in libraries and coffee shops and all kinds of different places, and, and man, it just wasn't coming. And so I gave up, and I came back to um, the, the office, the church uh, today, and thought, well, we'll just, you know, we just kind of end this. And I think it never came to me because there's something that I'm going to invite you to do, and I think that's what God wants us to do. And so we're just going to close our service here. And so when we're done... Let me tell you the things we always got to do. You know, if you're a guest, go back there. We got gifts for you, okay? Go get them, all right? We'd love to meet you. And offering boxes are back there, all that kind of stuff. Thanks for coming. All that good stuff. We'll see you next week. And so um, I think I'm going to pray. I didn't know if I'd pray or not, but I think I'm going to pray. And when I'm done praying, um, we're going to play music like we always do, and you can leave and all that good stuff, just like normal. But I want to I ask that if you've sat through this and you've thought of some of those dots in your circle, 
And maybe you've had something kind of penetrate your mind uh, as we've been in this service that, you know, I'm going to try that or I'm going I'm to try that. And so when we're leaving and music's being played, I want to open up the front up here on these steps. And I, I told our tech people, I want this all to just stay open and stay lit. And while the music's playing, if you want to come up here and you want to sit on the step or bow on the step just for a minute or two before you leave and ask God to use you to reach him or her or them. So we can go out and we can do all our stuff. But it bumps to another level when the Holy Spirit is part of that effort, doesn't it? Doesn't it? And so you don't have to do that. But I know there's a lot of people in this room who say, man, I, I'd give anything one day to be in heaven and look over and see him or see her. And you come up and you can ask God to use you to make that happen. So let's pray. And then you can come on up. Uh, Lord, thank you um, for the people that you used to attract me. And um, I just pray that the names that came to mind in the people in this room that you would go get them and you'd help us you help us to show something in us so much that they they want it hear the prayers of your people in Jesus name I pray